All right, so we are doing the very first iteration of what Dan Lyons has been eloquently responding to as Endencast. We are uh, not going to stick with that name, but... Probably, I, I don't know. I'm toying around with names. Um, I think we're gonna go with uh, the Avant Garden. Um, there's a history, it's a great name, there's a history to it. <laughs> um, we'll probably get into that at some point. Um, this will still show up in the regular feed of the podcast. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, this is really just an excuse to experiment um, with different interfaces to see the feasibility of remote recording. Um, but also, in a lot of ways, this is an opportunity to talk about things that we don't normally get to. Um, the dog chewing on the bone, that's going to get old real quick. It's way too loud. I'm going to make him stop real quick. Fucking hell. So first of all, great cold open. Thank you. Yeah, it's this is all gonna get cut. Cue the theme music. Yeah. Da, I, na, na, yeah. No, ba, this is not. Da, this, is, this is all gonna have its da, own theme music. This is my own thing, man. Um, yeah, Lions so, gets a side piece. Why don't you? Yeah, I mean, so the reality is that for the Movie Blues podcast, I don't do anything. Like, literally anything. I I show up, I watch the movie. Sometimes I watch the movie on my phone, on my dashboard of my car, on my way to the studio. Um, so, that begs the question, what is going to be different about this than the main feed? Um, you know, this is going to be much looser than the regular podcast. Dan does a ton of prep work. I do none. That will remain the same for this. You have big uh, Gareth Reynolds energy. Uh, is that a dollop reference? Yes. Yes, yes, yes that is exactly the case. <laughs> um, Dan is the Dave Anthony to my Gareth, Gareth Reynolds. Um, but there is also the f- just pure truth of the matter is that I want to, we need a break between seasons. I don't see a point in having seasons if we're just going to immediately start a new one. It seems arbitrary, so I'm... I put my foot down to have the break, but at the same time, we need to also have some content, um, and there's a slew of things that are just never going to get spoken about on the main feed, both because I refuse to watch Marvel movies, and Dan wants to talk about Marvel movies, and there's shit I want to talk about that Dan doesn't want to talk about. Like Bert so, Kreischer. Yeah, Bert Kreischer might come up, so this is going to be looser. <laughs> This will have a lot less prep work. It's going to have a lot fewer Z-Morning Zoo vibes. Nope. Um, it's going to be significantly less racist by the nature of Dan Lyons not being here. Um, <laughs> I'll generally get to talk more. Um, we're not going to talk about Seagram's escapes. Um, you know, on the regular podcast, there's a lot of things we each prefer each other not to talk about. Um, as an example, um, you know, I would prefer if Dan would not talk about 
my father dying. He would prefer if I don't talk about Israel being an apartheid state. But both of these things are equal. Um, but yeah, he really does talk about your father dying a lot, all of the time. Um, but you know what? This is my this is my chunk. I'm out of the shadow of Dan Lyons. This is a very pro-baseball podcast. We're not going to talk about it today, but this is what's going to happen when I have free reign. We have no idea how it's going to turn out, but uh, I guess I should, we, you know, I should introduce uh, the co-host for today's episode of what's tentatively being called the Avant Garden is uh, Jack Shouty of um, Movie Blues Rental Zone fame. Infamy, depending of, on who you ask. Of um, Darlington fame. This is true. Of um, being a, a, a quality, honest contractor fame. <laughs> what else? What else? How would you like to identify yourself? What do you identify as, Jack? Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll put musician first. Okay. That's fair. Uh, dog owner. Okay. Uh, I feel like if there's one thing that people were looking for, it's more failed musicians um, cosplaying as podcasters. Yes. Uh, and I figured, you know, I, I eventually would like to dip my toes in to trying stand-up, uh, and it seems like you only really? do that in order to be a podcaster. That's where the money is. So. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're one in the same these days. Just a quick aside, um, you said the name Avant Garden, terrible name. It's not true. It's a great name. It's multi-layered. Um, I've been using that title for various projects for going on 15 years. Um, this is going to really reinforce Dan's general um, thesis that I'm completely like over-the-top autistic and overly specific. But um, my <laughs> freshman and sophomore year of high school, um, so this would have been 2006, so like broadband internet was barely a thing, I hosted an online radio show via streaming. Um, the way this came about was there was a talk radio show called Jake and Jackie out of New York, um, hosted by Jake Fogelnest, who people might know as the host of Squirt TV on MTV. You know, he was in, like, Wet Hot American Summer. He's done things. Um, but it was a late-night radio show that ran from, like, midnight to 3 a.m., briefly. Um, and I was part of the forum, of the, like, the fan forum for it. And the admins of that started an online radio station and asked me to host a show, not realizing I was a 15-year-old boy... <laughs> um, and I did, um, and it was called, uh, the Avant Garden, because I didn't realize that that phrase was pronounced Avant, um, and people would ask, why, what is this garden in question? And, you know, it's the Garden of Enden, baby. Nice. Uh, yeah. All right, it come. it all comes in. That works. Yeah. So, um, we would, I would go through, like, a... A 2005 wired microphone via USB into 
Winamp via a Winamp plugin that would stream to some feed and broadcast live and various people in my high school would tune in twice a week and uh it was it was also, i would play music but then it turned into people would call in um people would send me um myspace pages of various hot girls with their phone numbers and we would call them on air and just be like hey you're hot and then hang up real real 15 year old boy just some good mtv king shit yeah um good. one of those girls <laughs> i called on the air um, and then ended up meeting in person, and she ended up marrying my best friend at the time, so that was really cool. Um, so I guess one could say that I was a proto-podcaster. One could also say that I was just deeply, deeply troubled and bored and needed more hobbies. Um, I think that these two things can coexist. They very much do. You could very much be ahead of your time, uh, a visionary. One yeah. might one might accuse you of being. Um, one might. One rarely does. <laughs> uh, I'm chronically looking towards the future while desperately clinging on to the past. Um, and now I'm here uh, after I guess a hundred and five, ten movie blues episodes running the show for the first time and i'm wildly disconcerted by it i don't care for this at all i don't feel like i'm allowed to stop talking that's why you're the side man yeah and now I you like understand why lions man. just bulldozes over you yeah just talks forever and this is the first moment where i'm realizing that it's not out of hubris it's out of sheer anxiety i'm gonna give him that benefit of the doubt because i'm just terrified that if i stop talking there's going to be silence that I need to edit out. So it's not really, it's not an anxiety of the silence. It's, you're just trying to make your job easier. It's That's really what I'm more, telling myself. It's really more laziness than anything. Um, I think that's probably at the core of it. Um, this is classic bass player behavior. <laughs> my, uh, I talk to my therapist a lot about it how I don't have any internal loci, locuses of con like control. Like I have no internal motivating factors outside of not wanting to be hassled. Um, <laughs> like anything that I do or don't do, it will only happen if there is a risk of some external force hassling me or making my life more inconvenient. And if that doesn't exist, then it won't get done. So, to some degree, that is definitely the truth right now. Um, anyway, what we're doing here today for this episode, um, we are here to, on a broad sense, talk about the HBO dramedy, question mark, Succession, which just came to an end, um something I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for four years at this point, but Dan won't watch it. Um, we're going to get into the various criticisms about the show and why people such as Dan will not watch it. Um, I have my own theories as to why Dan can't watch it that are probably a little more psychosomatic than the content itself. Um, so on that note, 
I uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna cue the theme. of the succession theme yeah okay yeah. i'm looking so, forward to this yeah we'll see how that goes um we would have heard it but we had uh absolute fuck ton of technical issues this morning which is exactly what i promised dan would not happen so that's cool um so let's pretend you just heard it wow dan that was really well recorded and composed and yeah. i can really tell that you did a great job doing your own rendition of yeah. the succession theme song. Th- thank you. It wasn't. It, it's not that great. Um, I'd like to say I'm proud of you. Nope. Yeah. I'm proud of myself. Nope. Because what's happening right now is that I have the house to myself for the entire weekend for the first time in like my entire life. And whereas that could have easily turned into a weekend of me sitting around and doing absolutely nothing it turned into a weekend of me sitting at my computer doing almost nothing but recording a ham-fisted version of the succession theme and preparing to record a podcast so that Dan would stop complaining to me about our lack of content. Um, So while we talk about succession, um, I guess the place to start would be where... Where did you start with this show? How long? When did you jump on the ship, the succession ship? Let's see. I did not watch it from the beginning because I didn't know about it. Um, I would guess that I started from you know I started from the jump, probably around when season three came out. Um, okay. So. So you did the old, uh, the old binge catch-up. Yes, um, and I just didn't—I don't—I just didn't know about it. I had no idea that it was around for two years before I became aware of it. Um, I think I got a free trial to HBO Max and was just scooting about, seeing what was around, uh, and came on it after watching Industry. Okay, so this is a this is a common thing that I've I've also found interesting in the history of Succession is that um, it's incredibly rare for me to get in on the ground floor with any series because I very rarely watch TV. Um, Succession is one the first show I can think of in a long time where I started watching in season one. Um, I jumped on the ship probably midway through season one. I don't have the slightest clue how I started watching it beyond like we were watching a show and finished it and I was scrolling around HBO Max and came across it and I looked it up and the internet said it was good and I threw it on um 
the show industry you're talking about is a show that HBO has relentlessly tried to shove down my throat because I've watched Succession. Um, I've gotten ads show up into my email along the lines of, you know, like Succession, well, you'll love industry. Um, so we Which watched, is fair. So, um, we watched a trailer, and I was like, okay, this looks like Succession with younger people. Um, we watched an episode. I was just like, I can't. I don't have the room in my brain for another show that is exactly the same as Succession. I don't necessarily feel like Succession is something that should have been in my wheelhouse because it is basically an entire series made up of people that I abhor doing the things I abhor um, filmed in the exact way that I hate when shows are filmed which is like that fake mockumentary style um, which they leaned into very hard in season one um, but I, I can't even say I latched onto it immediately season one was more of a um, she was into it and we had nothing else to watch and I loved the music so I stuck with it but I didn't really fall in love with it until season two um, but I think what you're saying about industry could bring us to point one of what I think is a very fair criticism towards succession on a wide level which is that it is not the most unique show to say the least and when we're talking about a show that's become this culturally ubiquitous um the overwhelming majority of the time the way to the easy way to approach it and give it its prestige is the fact that it's so unlike anything that's ever happened on tv before i don't really think that's the case with succession there are aspects that are incredibly unique but for the most part, these are characters that we've seen shown in ways that we've seen, with the exception of probably Tom. I, I don't think there's anything all that unique about the story. Um, realistically, it's it, to me, it's just like a, a modernized version of King Lear. Um, it's got a ton of sh Shakespearean aspects throughout. So there was a lot to overcome to get yourself into the show because it's incredibly derivative, especially visually. Um, you constantly see memes of shots of the show that are just complete echoes of famous works. Um, and I do, I, I have trouble deciding if that is a knock against it or if it's, um, you know, clever homage. But realistically, um, the creator, uh, Jesse Armstrong, was the creator of Peep Show, the British sitcom, which I loved as a teenager. So I was pretty much willing to just give it a shot and stick with it. Um, but would you say, what what is it about Succession that you feel like, I mean, you seem to be a big fan. Do you hold it up in the same pantheon of like prestige HBO dramas? Um, I know that's just that is what they are going for i don't think it's as important as you know your sopranos your wires uh your game of thrones 
Like, it's really well done, and I know that they were going for their next, like, big property um, as far as, you know, ratings and everything go. Um, I kind of don't understand why it's as big as it is. Um, but all that to say, uh, I do think it's one of the better shows that HBO's come out with. I wouldn't put it as high in importance as like their true prestige, but uh, I understand why it gets mentioned in the same category. Yeah, so I mean, this is like the problem with it, right? Is that I don't know what it is about the show. I don't know if it's the fact that it really blew up while we were all locked inside for a year, so people really latched onto it as something to look forward to. Um, but there's never, I've never come across like a tepid review of Succession. The only reviews I ever see, or the only commentary I ever see, are either this show is nothing, these characters are trash and one dimensional, and the show recycles itself constantly, why would I care? Or I see things like, um, Dan actually sent me an article that came out last week after the finale ended that was the title was something along the lines of like succession is not only prestige drama but uh the standard by which all art should be held to um it is peak art etc okay that's a little bit hyperbolic it's (laughs) insanely hyperbolic i don't see why it can't just be like it's a quality show i've seen people be like hey we already had billions but billions is not a good show Uh, i also i didn't watch that i watched two seasons of it and it's much like succession at its lower points it's carried by its cast but it's not actually a good show it's like it kind of feels to me like Fast and the Furious for people with a brain, but it just it just shoves an absolute metric fuckton of information and editing in and intense music in your face chronically while presenting itself as incredibly intelligent, but it's just kind of a nothing show that re- repeats itself over that and over sounds again. like Fast and the Furious via Aaron Sorkin. Right, but if you were to talk to Dan Lyons, that's kind of how he would describe Succession, and I don't necessarily think it's an unfair <laughs> criticism. The show is incredibly Aaron, Sork- uh, Aaron Sorkin-esque. The show is, in a lot of ways, really just the newsroom in a boardroom instead of a newsroom. Yeah, I was going to compare it to the newsroom which uh i mean sure people can hate on it for being peak sorkin but like i love his quick fast aaron sorkin bullshit so yeah i'm willing to i'm just down for it it's fine the um, i'm a massive west wing fan which is ironic given it's another situation where it's a show that romanticizes everything that i hate in the world so I'm not like an Aaron Sorkin hater or anything, but I definitely find his writing style tiresome. It's exhausting. That's um, also why I've never been able to fully commit to the West Wing, because 
there's so much of it and a lot of it's going to be really dated at this point and it's very dated and it's also like very disconcerting when you find out shit that like the obama administration was like the cabinet was like trying to model themselves off of the bartlett administration <laughs> in the west wing and it's just like that is not how the government should run so when i watched the beginning of succession immediately my brain went to this is trying to recapture the newsroom which the newsroom started very strong and kind of fell off a cliff nearly immediately um because really how much juice can you squeeze out of the idea of a bunch of people walking around talking about the news um and the answer is very little um that show ultimately presented itself as incredibly heady while being in my opinion incredibly shallow i did watch the entire thing but i didn't the second it ended i it, it was just nothing it was out of my brain the um, sh basketball shot timer interview thing when uh the one producer tricked the guy into saying we use sarin i think is the first time i had uh the thought of like oh you needed a device when you were writing this to get where you wanted yes uh, and i'd never that was the first time i'd ever thought about how a show is written and made because it was so dumb i completely agree with that <laughs> and that is something that's common throughout a lot of aaron sorkin stuff if, if you were to watch the west wing there is there are just immeasurable examples of that of them really ham-fisting in current to the time events just in the interest of getting to the end goal um succession is also pretty guilty of that at times but when you look at season one especially if you watch the um the pilot episode it looks exactly like the newsroom um they it's basically like an episode of the office it is so over the top with the handheld camera like documentary style and the zoom-ins to like emphasize the jokes um <laughs> season one of succession i find very tiring um it's really trying to force down your throat how smart it is and i don't care for that but underneath all of it was just such a degree of nihilism that I felt like there was something there that was worth sticking with. Um, so where 99% of the time I will abandon a show immediately if it even irritates me slightly, I liked the acting well enough. And also Kieran Culkin, like I will just stand Kieran Culkin for fucking ever. Um, pretty much since Igby Goes Down came out, I will watch anything with Kieran Culkin in it. So I was like, I will give this a shot. Um, and I love Peep Show, so I was going to give it a shot. But season one of Succession, I, when that season ended, I was like, I am not expecting this show to continue that much longer. This brings nothing new to the table. We have interesting characters, but like, how much can I really care? And I really think the fact that we were all stuck inside for a year allowed this show to have the wiggle room to kind of spread its wings a little bit. Because season two, they really reined back the documentary style. It still was all filmed on handheld cameras, but it stopped being so fucking 
Shut up. I do like how it's filmed. I understand how it could be tiresome. Um, but I like that they have several cameras going at once. Uh, it gives it a sense of urgency. Yeah. And they figured it out. But if you watch season one versus season four, it looks like a totally different show. It's true. I accidentally started watching the first episode again the other day uh, because Max has a terrible user interface and it just decided that uh, that's where we were. We were at season one, episode one. Um, yeah, quick aside on that. I don't... I'm not... Dan and I both agree that the outrage towards the Max merger has been a little bit misguided because I do feel that the Max app is significantly better in functionality than the HBO Max app was in terms of just smoothness and content. Yes. But it, it, it has maintained the exact same issue that has always driven me absolutely mad with HBO Max, which is that it never knows what episode I have, I am left on. Yeah, it doesn't fucking know where you are. Uh, and also, the back button functionality of it will just take you to the top of the page before like taking you out of like an episode and i think it's the fucking stupidest thing uh, it is drives me wild. nuts and i can't believe that such like, how how have we not figured out better streaming user interfaces i don't, hulu I don't know is hulu, enormous I and i fucking hate it hulu does the exact same thing that max does which is where but if worse an, if an episode is clearly over and I back out of it before the end credits start, when I go, my continue watching thinks that I want to continue watching that same episode, but it starts it from the beginning. So instead, I have to go into the series itself and find the next episode, and I cannot wrap my head around how they haven't solved this yet. I was so sure that when Max made me download a new app, that problem would go away, and it hasn't, and I cannot take it. Um, to digress from that because honestly I could spend two hours talking about my problems with UIs on streaming services I yeah I mean if we, if we ever want to do that as a separate episode I will come fucking locked stock and loaded yeah Dan and I have discussed doing a side piece on like ranking streaming service UIs and I ultimately came to the conclusion that I fucking hate all of them to varying degrees um like the only one that works smoothly all of the time is apple tv but its actual means of organization is horrible um also i'm not i'm not paying for another one i'm not getting it yeah t-mobile gave it to me um prime video is probably the worst organized user face of anything i've ever seen it's like the netscape of streaming services it's because they want you to buy things they're constantly showing you non-free right but they also separate every show into individual seasons which i don't understand even a little bit um fuck Amazon Prime, I don't think I've ever gotten anything valuable out of that besides The Marvelous Miss Maisel, which was so good for two, three seasons, and then just had been, just fell off an absolute The first cliff. two seasons I thought were great. 
I thought season three was absolutely the weakest, and it had a terrible season ending. Uh, and then I, yeah. the first episode of this final season was as weak as season three, uh, but I thought it did come home and finish strongly. I, I haven't finished it. It was good. It's worth it. I haven't been able to get through it. I just... <laughs> and, like, I'm going to say something that, like, realistically is... Brings me to my second critique that people bring up of Succession, which is, like, I can't really handle shows that just go in a circle every season. Marvelous Maisel is 48 episodes of a woman with endless potential constantly tripping herself up in the same way and putting herself <laughs> in the same situation. Every single season ends with, like, endless potential of success and then her fucking it up and every season starts with her back to square one and I just find it exhausting um, that woman's writing style I find similarly exhausting it's just an endless barrage of jokes but it only works when the jokes land and that only was the case for the first two seasons um, as soon as it started getting the like accolades it deserved I feel like it started sniffing, sniffing its own farts too much and season three was just a mess um Marvelous Miss Maisel, seasons one through two, 10 out of 10. The rest of the show, I don't know, I can't rate because I can't fucking watch it. It's intolerable. Season three is a 6.5 out of 10. Season eight, taking everything into account, is an 8 out of 10. Um, Kevin Pollack is an absolute Jewish king in that show. Um, Dan and I have talked about that all the time. We're regularly ranking, like quality American Jews, and Kevin Pollack is regularly at the top of that list. Um, Succession, a show shockingly not Jewish, both in terms of its cast or crew, but with incredibly Jewish sensibilities in terms of its just chronic neuroses. Um, I guess... Yeah, so the other criticism of Succession is that it's incredibly cyclical and nothing really happens. We are presented in the first season with a King Lear situation where the question is how well, all the kids are going to fight for who takes over and the king's bad, blah, blah, blah. And it does kind of just repeat itself over and over again. Um, there are a lot of sins that the most recent, the final season committed in terms of recycling exact same plot points from prior seasons which i found to be filler but by season two i think what really latched me onto it is that it took a few episodes for me to realize that the sh what i was watching was a comedy and once you start viewing succession as a comedy like an incredibly black comedy i think the brilliance of it becomes incredibly apparent i absolutely agree because it's been a long time since i've laughed out loud at a show as much as i do succession and it's not jokes it's just things that people say without any sense of self self-awareness that um we talk on the podcast a lot about editing as a humor device the show is very good at my favorite editing technique which is cutting away from something so quickly that your brain doesn't register that it was a joke until after the fact <laughs> and when they're doing these rapid fire conversations 
it just cuts and it cuts and it cuts and like you just realize that everything they're saying is like a double entendre the writing is so fucking clever everything that comes out of roman's mouth is so goddamn funny when he's on the screen i love that character right so like we have essentially five main characters six main characters five main characters in the show and then like a couple of tertiary characters realistically like to me what make the show hilarious are roman and tom um greg is the clown character i don't actually find him all that funny um i think he's got real um like what i call like eric matthews syndrome from boy meets world where like a character starts by being like a little bit dumb and throughout the course of the show they turn him into an absolute fucking clown um to the degree where like he's supposed to be the comedic relief but it's just kind of sad how dumb he is um shiv is like the grounding force of all of it and um jeremy strong's character um is uh what's what's his name the main guy kendall Kendall. yeah kendall is like the anchor of the entire show um i don't necessarily know if i even find kendall to be a good character he's like wildly one-dimensional but jeremy strong is just such a good actor that i don't necessarily care um these people in real life would be one-dimensional like the dark and bleak humor of this entire show i think is so funny because i really have to imagine that this is what the titans of industry are actually like like the top dog people and their children that are realistically running society are just one-dimensional shitheads that are motivated uh, by their own internal failures and then we all suffer the consequences because of it totally and I think that is the main thing that I've tried to really convey to people throughout the course of this series is that everyone's always complaining about the fact that they hate all the characters and they hate everything they're doing, but that's completely the point because these people exist in real life and what we're getting a glimpse into is a world that we can't even fathom what it's like to grow up. Like, you, you could not possibly be the child of a person like logan roy and not end up a broken sociopath it's it's all they know it's all they've been exposed to their mother is a complete lunatic um but these are people who still have the same neuroses that regular humans do the only difference is that when they fuck up it impacts the entire world um so how do you treat that with anything other than just like a complete nihilistic sense of humor um and uh, partially why i love the character of greg is because we he sees that and he's like that's me i want to be part of that yeah i mean he's how could you not put off when by it <laughs> when the show starts he's a fucking stoned mascot at like the equivalent of disney world that stood to inherit like a billion dollars from Ewan. Right. 
and he fucks it all up because he wants to he wants to be in the game right and that is really what the story of succession is which is the story of Logan wanting to Roy be in the game <laughs> being an absolute titan uh rags to riches like the worst rags to the highest riches and every single person around him just being a complete leech but not realizing that what it takes to become that is like a degree of adversity and and work ethic and just general like it's a it's a mindset that none of them can exist within because they all grew up in such a fucking silver spoon environment and the entire time this series was going on all i was saying was that like this show needs to end with no one winning like everyone every one of these kids like the whole thing has been like i'm team kendall team shiv like no like none of these people can win that's the only way this show can possibly stick to what it what i took to be the meaning of it and i'm incredibly thankful that that is the route they took with the finale because they spent a lot of time misdirecting us into thinking one of the kids was really gonna nail it and spoiler alert none of them did and the only way a show like this could end is on a bleak note because what we're talking about is bleak and what this final season did was raise the stakes because you know the whole series it's like there's no way to care about who takes over this horrible company the the stakes they brought this to in the in the home stretch of season four like with the election and all that like i was like oh yeah these are people that are just like it's a very real possibility that like petty uh squabs between siblings can like <laughs> divert the entire country into fascism <laughs> and that being treated as just like a background plot device is incredibly funny to me yeah because that's all that it was to them right and that is where I realized that this is not a show I've ever seen elsewhere. There's never been a show... We spent three seasons watching totally unrelatable characters just kind of insult each other to get us comfortable with their day-to-day lives, only for season four for them to really drive home the fact that like there are dynasties in the world that truly exist like this. And these people, just out of spite, will make decisions that completely fuck our lives up. So this show doing so, while being so hilarious, is really brilliant. Um, With that said, I've seen a lot of people, especially on the rental zone, every week you'd see people saying, oh, that was best episode ever, the best season ever, this is instantly skyrocketed into the echelon of top shows of all time, plenty of articles are saying this is in the top series of all time, um, I don't think you could possibly say that, it didn't have long enough of a runtime to necessarily go into that realm, so even, basically last night what I tried to do was think of where does it fall just in the realm of HBO prestige dramas, um, because I think a lot of this is recency bias, and to act like Succession is without is not without its faults is ludicrous. Um, so what I came up with is that I think Succession is probably the sixth best HBO series. Okay. Um, so 
just like for low-hanging fruit first succession is not better or as good as the sopranos not even close i've seen that idea put forth in the rental zone that is not the case in my opinion i don't really see how anyone could see it that way um i think you need to rewatch the sopranos if that's what you believe there is this show does not hold a candle to that um the Su succession is not as good as the wire and i'm not a huge fan of the wire i find a lot of it incredibly boring and i find the second or i find the second season to be borderline impossible to watch and i find that's the, the best season, season what are you talking about yeah i get it people love the second season it's really boring but a lot of the wire is really boring and i think the final season i don't think they stuck the landing at all the last season is you're just prejudiced ludicrous. against polish people and i take that personally i'm polish myself my <laughs> grandfather escaped poland from a concentration camp my entire family is from poland i'm only prejudiced against polish people insofar as i'm full of self-loathing <laughs> um the final season of the wire is completely ungrounded from reality and has nothing to do with the tone that was set with the rest of the show and i think it really ruins what that show set yeah, up yeah the with. final season's weak i just don't necessarily understand how people hold the wire up to being as good as the sopranos but when i rewatch it i do see that like the writing and the intertwining of the characters is at an elite level and the performances are at an elite level that i get it it's just not necessarily my taste and also like it's a lot of you know there's a lot of police <laughs> romanticization in that show that i don't care for um so is succession as good as the wire like I no. find it more I find it more entertaining, but is it a better show? No, because The Wire is an incredibly unique experience, and Succession is for the most part not. Um, next, Deadwood is Succession as good as Deadwood? No, not as good as Deadwood. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, but I'd rather watch Succession than Deadwood, especially for any extended amount of time. Deadwood is exhausting. I was not able to finish it. Uh, but I also put too much of it in my brain at one time, uh, and it just it needs a week between episodes. Every yeah. episode feels like a it's fever slow. dream. I just am bombarded with how over the top and ungrounded everything is that's going on. Uh, I don't know. I, I struggle with Deadwood. I, I don't put it that in the, the top category. I understand what people do but I, I couldn't I couldn't get through it. There's too much for me. I think a lot of people have that problem with Deadwood, especially because when you rewatch it now, it's unbearably slow. And we've since then have been presented. We're now in a world where it's like shows are made differently. I watched Deadwood when it aired, so at the time I'm not even a Western person. I love I that that era of uh, uh, that 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 style of genre. So yeah. I really want to like it. I love that Wild West shit. Yeah, I mean, it's just an incredibly well-written show, and the costuming and cinematography is incredible. Um, and the way they're able—it's it's similar to Succession in that every single character is absolutely despicable. Um, but 
I just don't think that Succession is necessarily written as well as Deadwood is because Succession is a little bit more up its own ass than Deadwood is. Deadwood is really all about like telling you this story and also most of that story is true. Um, Succession has a lot of moments of like that Aaron Sorkin like look how smart we are that I don't care for. Like it is truly bewildering to me that Aaron Sorkin did not produce Succession. <laughs> um, so I think I rank Deadwood a little bit higher than Succession, um, mostly because it never went into a cycle of repeating itself and doing the same plot device over and over again, but that also could be a function of the fact that it wasn't on long enough to necessarily do so. Yeah. I think they're probably tied, but if I were going to rewatch a series, I would probably rewatch Deadwood. Um, but I understand why people would rank it ahead of that. That's fine. That's not controversial. Um, next, I'm going to talk about The Leftovers. I don't think there is any world where Succession is remotely the quality of show that The Leftovers is. Um, I don't know if you've watched The Leftovers. I did. That was one that I watched while it was on from the start. One of only, I think two HBO shows that I can say that for. Okay. So I actually just finished The Leftovers this week. <laughs> um, we started it years ago. I, it took me so long to get through season one. And Leftovers is a weird one because season one is just an absolute chore to get through. It is so fucking boring. But season two and season three are so amazing that it really ties it all together in a way that just like it just i mean it, it's got the lost thing going on where it's written on such a deeper level than anything else we've talked about that like there's just no world where anything made by damon lindelof could not be better than succession um i will say people hold the watchman up to be his best work and i don't think the watchman is better than the leftovers at all no um, i don't think the watchman is better than succession i also do not think the watchman is better than succession i know a lot of people are going to get upset about that but i also don't think that a single season of television can really count as being in that realm um what they did in that one season was pretty damn impressive but like i don't have any desire to rewatch it so I'm not including that in this list. Leftovers, definitely better than Succession. Um, this one I saved for last because it's probably the most obvious and easy one to talk about, but also the most controversial, which is obviously Game of Thrones. Um, I don't know that we need to get into all of the sins of the latter home stretch of Game of Thrones. But I, don't... I prefer not to think of those seasons because while they were still working off of George R. R. Martin's written material, that show is impeccable. Those first, I don't know, four seasons um, are just incredible, but they're not going off of uh, you know their own material at that point. Right. I um. 
I've seen in the rental zone people say that Succession is just as good as Game of Thrones. No. It is not. Not even close. There's a cultural ubiquity for Game of Thrones that I don't know what else can, can touch that. When Game of Thrones was going, it was the touchstone that everybody had everybody watched it everybody talked about it um it got people reading books again yeah Uh, there it was everywhere yeah i mean i think game of thrones is probably the last bastion of like what one would call like a water cooler show where like you knew that everyone was gonna watch it i we the series ended during our first five episodes of the podcast and by that point i had long since fallen off watching it i didn't watch I didn't finish Game of Thrones until, like, a year ago, honestly. Um, I think there's a lot of recency bias when it comes to Succession, and there's a lot of ire towards how badly they fumbled the ending that make people forget how good the show was. Absolutely. Um, I just... I don't see... So, particularly when it comes to Game of Thrones and Sopranos, I don't... Like, the other ones, I can wrap my head around someone being like, yeah, Succession is as good as these shows. Someone saying that Succession is as good or better than Game of Thrones or The Sopranos, that just doesn't make sense to my brain. I don't see what you're necessarily seeing in this show that does that. Like... Because what those shows bring to the... T- like, I, I'm not someone who really cares about cultural ubiquity in terms of when I'm judging a piece of art because, like, Taylor Swift is culturally ubiquitous and that doesn't matter to me either. <laughs> but, like, what I care about when I'm thinking of a show as being elite is, like, unprecedented innovation. And Succession is not... Um, uh, speaking of Taylor Swift, uh, July 22nd, you can come to Brooklyn Bowl in Philly uh, and see me playing with Miss Cantaloupe doing an all Taylor Swift cover set. So I was putting that out there. That's really awesome. I'm for sure not going to do that, but I encourage anyone listening to go to that. Um, I. Succession is in. All right, just to summarize. I think Succession is an incredibly entertaining show. I think it's incredibly funny. It really leans into my sense of humor, which is very dark and nihilistic and cynical. It is one of the most cynical series I've ever seen. And that is what is really, it's it's crowning achievement to me is that it managed to start the show on one of the most cynical notes I've ever seen and just get worse. It never tried, like, every time you think it's trying to go towards a redeeming character arc or, uh, like, trope, it it baits you there only to completely undermine it, which I also have seen people criticize it for, of getting frustrated that every time a character starts to have a redemption arc, they completely trip themselves up and fuck them they're like (laughs) reveal themselves to be the piece of shit that they are but i feel like that is the point because that is actually how people are people don't exist in redemption arcs most of the time growth is an 
incredibly cyclical process with a lot of backsliding that I think this show has been more cognizant of than most series are. It hasn't felt obligated to follow expected story arcs, and I really appreciate that about it. Um, the, you know, the, the composing, the score for the show is amazing. It is fantastic. Wild that 95% of the music of the show is just the theme song. Something that in, se- <laughs> in season one, I was... I never really thought about that. <laughs> I, it's something that really bewildered me in season one, where I really thought it was just that they didn't have enough money to pay for more music. But for the first two seasons, I don't think there is any music that is not just the theme song or like a version of the theme song. And even throughout season four, I was really listening for it. There were only two episodes where I noticed any music that was absent the main theme. Um, And the fact that they stuck with that and it remained interesting is pretty goddamn impressive. Um, The show's editing is 10 out of 10. So funny and sleek. And the acting is absolutely 10 out of 10. It's really impressive that they do it all on film, too. Multi-camera yeah. on film. Yeah. The editing process has to be exhausting. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. Um, and I appreciate that they just kind of ended the show while it was still on top. Um, I think that's one of the strongest things that it has going for it. It didn't let itself get bloated. It didn't let itself get old and stale and overstay its welcome. Um, And how they ultimately end it, um, I think, was a fantastic finale that I put up with uh, the Sopranos finale. As far as, like, a great series ending uh i think the finale was just as good okay yeah so let's talk about season four in isolation on that note um because this is what the rhetoric has really been lately um i completely agree that succession stuck the landing i found the finale to be incredibly satisfying um if you're still listening to this and haven't watched it, I don't understand why, but I guess I'm going to say spoiler alert. Um, all of the kids lose, kind of. Um, Shiv arguably wins, but like, she's, her life is in total disrepair. Um, Tom comes out on top. I've been calling Tom as the winner Big since... I've, I've been calling Tom as the winner for season one. The unassisted triple play. Yeah, yeah, that... I um, Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom might be the greatest actor I've ever seen on television. Um, I cannot believe how well he does a Midwestern turned East Coast American. Yeah, with, as like a like hoity-toity British person. Yeah. Um, I've just... I, I would say that Tom is really the reason, the singular reason that this show is in the echelon that it is for me. Because I don't I've been for weeks trying to think of a comp to Tom as a character in any piece of art form, and there just isn't one that I can think of. I've never seen a character like this anywhere. Like, his 
like his performance is one thing and the way he if you look at his dialogue and what it must be on the page like yes he's like mean and um you know vain and superficial but as a character it's just so wildly unique as like on paper he's just a little bit of a fish out of water midwestern person who found himself through sheer ambition in a world that no, most 99.9 percent .9 of people would never even be able to be in the same room with but just his general demeanor is absolutely insane like he is an absolutely insane person and the things that come out of his mouth are truly wild <laughs> um so casually and i just i that actor matthew mcfadden playing that role in such a grounded way where realistically like he is effectively a clown is incredibly impressive um 10 out of 10 to matthew mcfadden um, yeah tom rules um easily the best character in the show for me the relationship between tom and greg can be incredibly over the top at times um i think it does work but there's times where you're like this is not these are not real people no and i do think their relationship really only exists for the most part to remind the viewer that the show is in fact a comedy because <laughs> it's the only scenes where they lean into predominantly comedic beats greg as a character i don't care for it all he's an absolute clown um i don't think he's a very good actor fun side note nicholas braun that plays greg total piece of shit grew up with andy frasco that doesn't surprise me because andy <laughs> frasco is also a piece of shit um fun fact kieran culkin auditioned for the Greg character. That what? was what his intention was. He was brought in to be Greg and Jeremy Strong was brought in to be Roman. That was originally how this show was supposed to oh be. Oh my god, that would have been terrible. It would have been the worst. It would have um, been a waste of everybody's talents. Yeah, according to Lore's interviews, what have you, um, he was on... He was in like far along the interview process and got to the point where they started getting full scripts of the pilot and he wasn't feeling good about the greg character but he just kind of needed work um and he didn't really know how to play it it wasn't really his wheelhouse and once he got the script to the pilot um he found himself really latching on to the roman character and learned all of those lines so that he could also audition for roman um Jeremy Strong as Roman, I don't see that at all. I feel like he's probably a good enough actor that he could have pulled it off, but like Roman, that is inextricable from Kieran Culkin at this point. Like that is what needed to happen for this show to work. A character like Roman needs that kind of like snivelly weasel face. Yeah, that he just needs Kieran to be a Culkin has. Dweeb. Yeah, and there's no way around that. Like Jeremy Strong has too much of, you know, whatever, the energy that he brings to Kendall, that he's he's not sniveling enough. You have to have a Colgan rat face yeah. in order <laughs> yeah. to yeah, make totally. that work.
Um, he just has to like look weak and gaunt, um, greasy. Yeah, it's so it's. I want to say it's a perfectly casted show. I don't know whether I'm still on the fence on whether I feel like Nicholas Braun is like perfectly casted because it's not like that character was written with anything for an, any actor to really like bite off. Yeah. Um, having really like a to be a clown. Having like an little la rich boy um it i think works because he probably has seen people like that you know if you grow up in yeah calabasas yeah. uh with you know people like andy frasco you're gonna see some like you know new money type people yeah i just think with his character they leaned too hard into him being comedic relief to the degree where like you would think like four years into this process he would have learned in some way to act like less of a bumbling fucking moron and season four somehow he's even more of a bumbling moron than he's been the entire time he just has no social awareness and the things that come out of his mouth are absolutely insane <laughs> and you would have think that would have changed a little bit so i kind of could have just done without greg entirely the final season um also nicholas braun is like currently like under scrutiny for all sorts of like sexual harassment type things oh so, no like, yeah, apparently he's, like, a huge piece of shit. Um, so, shout out Nicholas Braun. Cousin um, Greg. Yeah, apparently out of all these people, Cousin Greg, the most despicable of all of them. Um, but overall, amazingly casted show, amazingly acted. The only thing I hold against it is that they're is a lot of repetitious plot devices which like i guess how to some degree like how much is there to really make happen in this world which essentially amounts to like three fucking argumentative siblings like kind of battling to take over a news channel like it's not like all that intriguing but the show is wildly derivative of both itself and other HBO series. There's so many shots of Kendall just like staring at the ocean throughout the series. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's trying to like be an homage to, you know, there are shots that are like lifted from Breaking Bad. There are shots that are lifted from The Sopranos. And I feel like it's trying to like almost force itself to be like, hey, look, we're part of that level of television. Um, but it's just not. And it's just like, if it's all, I've seen the argument that like they're trying to show that no matter what growth we think is happening, these characters are going to keep finding themselves in the same situation. But we've seen that in a million series before. So I don't think that that's worth repeating yourself over to the degree that this show did season four the episode with um was it like live plus or whatever like <laughs> giving the speech yeah um and just needing to make the production completely out of hand and goofy like we already had that episode last season with his birthday party it's the exact same episode it's an hour-long episode that has the exact same dynamic between every character and just felt completely pointless um the i mean i think that episode goes to show 
uh, I think it exists to show outside of what we see Kendall's competence because you know everybody thinks that he's gonna fucking shit the bed on this we think he's gonna shit the bed on this we know that he's just uh, like to us a sniveling moron uh, but then he does get out there and only what the public sees is this live plus presentation that he right. does crush and yeah he kills you know, it you end up go you end up seeing be like oh okay like maybe homeboy does have what it takes to run this but that goes back to what you were saying earlier about plot devices existing purely to get us to the end point and that's an example of like what they're setting up there to me is they're trying to set up um they're trying to lay the groundwork for the funeral episode for Kendall taking over the speech mm-hmm. when Roman shits the bed um they're really trying to shift the idea of Kendall is clearly the one who deserves to win in the end yeah and I don't think that it was valuable to have an entire episode that completely mimics a previous episode because they're weren't really any stakes to me because throughout the entire episode I'm like alright we already watched this happen to a T like with the same comedic beats the exact same vibe of like him acting like a manic drug addict adding all sorts of crazy shit his siblings being like this is a bad idea maybe we should stop him maybe we shouldn't stop him should we be involved should we not be involved and like so throughout that whole episode I was like alright it's either going to be the exact same thing it's going to be a nightmare or he's going to kill it and then we know that this purely existed to show character growth that they're probably going to undermine later. It just felt like a lot, and I know that people complain when final seasons are shorter than the other ones, but, like, this one could have been. I feel like this last season, Logan dying in the first, I think, episode third. three. It was the third episode, and I think that was... was think, so ballsy. Yeah, ballsy and absolutely both necessary and I, they, that was a great choice, and it was well executed. Yeah, amazing. No big death scene. Right. No final words. Just like he's there, uh, and then he fucking dies, and he's gone. Um, and yeah. I thought that was incredible. The way that they and that showed epi- grief, I thought was incredible. Right. I mean, Roman and Shiv's performances in those episode, in that episode, were unbelievable and obviously serve to like remind you that these people are human yeah while while the writers knew that what was going to happen next was like the biggest most outrageous descend into fucking like <laughs> lunacy and pure nihilism that's like ever been depicted on television with the election uh so i super appreciated that i thought it was an amazing move i really just kind of felt like this season could have been two episodes shorter um I like the way that they went about it. I think everything was, you know, having each episode basically be a day, uh, I think worked well. I liked that idea. Yeah. As a whole, I found the season incredibly compelling. Um, Absolutely the strongest season. Yeah, for sure. But, like... So then that brings me to, like, do I see it as a 10 out of 10 season? Like, not really. It did a lot of things that I've never seen on TV before in terms of, like, but, like, 
Game of Thrones already kind of laid the groundwork for abruptly killing a character that you thought an entire season was going to be based around. <laughs> um, so, like, it executed everything it was trying to do in a very skilled way, and I found it incredibly engaging, but, like, at no point was I as riveted as I was during, say, the first half of the final season of The Sopranos or the entire final season of Breaking Bad. Um, it's a show that's consistently entertaining, but never, like, edge-of-your-seat gripping to me, so I don't fully get the idea that it's, like, the standard by which, like, art needs to be compared against or, like, series moving forward. It's just a very good show, and I feel like this is part of the like it's a it's an exemplification of what bothers me about internet discourse in general which is like everything either needs to be the best thing ever or the worst thing ever and no one is okay with something just being very good and i don't quite understand that like yeah. success succession is a very 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 good show that in many ways is brilliant but it's not like breaking new ground and it's not like the greatest thing that HBO has produced even like this century or in the last decade so like I don't quite get why people can't be okay with that it feels like people need something that's going on to be the best thing all the time and I feel like people need to accept that that's not really going to be the case and probably shouldn't no and it's not healthy for art to have to think about everything that way right like, yeah you should always try to make the best art that you can but not everything has to be the pinnacle of achievement no and and it's just like every time there is quote-unquote a prestige drama everyone needs to argue about like is this better than the sopranos is this better than the wire and it just like it doesn't is it better than breaking bad and it's just like it doesn't matter like i see mad men come into this conversation a lot and that i don't understand at all i don't fucking get how mad men is in that realm of shows to people i always like, finish a series and i did not finish mad men um ending the home stretch of Mad Men is incredibly stupid um, but that whole show like everything I've complained about Succession in terms of like repetitiousness I find Mad Men does like eight times per season it is so exhausting like the way people describe Deadwood as being hard to get through but like Sim for Mad Men I don't get at all and it's like in an even less interesting setting than the newsroom or succession which is just like an ad agency it's not compelling to me really at all the show makes me want to smoke a cigarette every time yeah it's a great show <laughs> if you like smoking but so is the leftovers um i i just people need to be okay with a show just being very good like i've also seen people say that like succession has like the greatest like show composing like score composing ever and like the theme song is absolutely amazing but aside from that a hundred percent of the music are just variants of that so like that's not true either like 
Queen's Gambit had an infinitely more interesting score than Succession, um, that I would rather listen to a thousand times over before I ever listen to, like, I'm not gonna buy the Succession score on record and listen to it, um, it's, like, one melody that's really fucking cool, and while it is really cool, it's not, like, goat conversation. Yeah. Um, what's most impressive about Succession is that it's a show this fucking good by a guy who's most known for making a fucking sitcom. Um, like Peep Show is really clever. And I know nothing funny. about Peep Show. Peep Show is a show that has a thousand seasons um, from England where the entire shtick of it is that anytime a character like it's basically two main characters but it's all filmed in the first person so you're watching everything from the point of view of the character including like there's like blinking plot devices where like you can see the blinking so aka like a shutter comes down over the camera over the that. screen constantly um so every time a character the whole is show talking, is first person the entire series so anytime anyone is talking they're talking directly at the camera Maybe check that out because I love the first whatever twenty minutes of Enter the Void. It's this is the entire series and it is really funny. It's incredibly dry. Um, you can see a lot of the humor plot threads in this show. And when I found out that Jesse Armstrong was the one who made this show, I was pretty surprised. But then upon knowing that, it made a lot of the humor in the show make sense. Um, so definitely check out Peep Show. But at the same time, Peep Show is another one that, like, internet discourse is completely toxic about, where people are like, one of the greatest sitcoms ever. It's not. It's really fucking boring at times. Um, I'm just kind of sick of the, like, this is the best thing ever vibe. When, like, I think it's okay to accept that, like, there's never going to be another Game of Thrones, and there's never going to be another Sopranos because the landscape of television is different. And I think what people are latching onto is the fact that Succession is the first thing in a while that it feels like everybody is watching. So it's like something that you can talk about with everybody, but that doesn't mean that it's as good as those things. It just means that everything else on TV kind of sucks. Um, so I guess it's, it, it's gonna sound like I'm coming down hard on succession but i'm not i loved it i've been simping for it since the beginning i've been urging dan to watch it from the beginning he claims that he can't watch it because he finds it boring and the character's annoying i really feel like he just can't watch it because yeah, it I hits too the... close to home because he works for his father's company <laughs> um but it's great concrete uh, baby yeah so i don't know like what I don't I don't know how to necessarily rate a series like this cuz no matter what I rate it someone's going to be mad and like the joy I've gotten from it is pretty incomparable to anything else I've watched recently so like in terms of like my recent experiences watching Succession my brain is like yeah 10 out of 10 but it's not like it's an incredibly flawed show that its flaws are not 
adequately considered in any review, but any negative review also does not give it its flowers for its innovation and what is so brilliant about it. I feel like it's one of those things where people just aren't missing what is so fucking smart about it. Because it's kind of like what the newsroom wants to be, where it's just a barrage of information and jokes, but all of the jokes land and it's actually clever without being... Like, this show so easily could have been a ham-fisted political commentary, and it's really kind of not... No, I thought they did a great great job not being over the top with anything like that. No, in season four, as soon as we started with the election thing, I was like, okay, here we go, they're going to start doing that. And the fact that, like, them getting... purposely getting a fascist elected president is kind of treated as like background fodder for nearly everything besides one episode and even that singular episode was more about the power dynamic that creates among the family rather than the actual implications is really fucking smart and i just kind of love that so i i I, amazing show really stuck the landing all ends with every character getting pretty much what they deserve including tom tom's the fucking man um the only character who's totally honest with himself about what he wants and what he's trying to get out of this situation um and kendall's breakdown at the end with the like, <laughs> the, like i'm i'm the first i'm the son. oldest boy yeah yeah no first of all no you're not connor in shambles <laughs> um just hilarious um uh, all these characters are the worst i love connor's character oh uh, yeah i i love it i used to be uh more uh in touch with like the professional libertarian political <laughs> nonprofit world right um and i can see so many of those absolute losers in what Connor wants to be, yeah, and big I can Gary Johnson see the vibes people, with Connor. yeah, and I can see the people that would support him. Um, I can see the nonprofits that would back him that are just financed by like some billionaire's money. Yeah, and just uh, a hilarious character who is constantly holding himself up as being better than his siblings while really not being at all like he thinks because he's not involved with the pursuit of the company that he's like more virtuous but he's like in a lot of ways the biggest scumbag out of all of them um because he doesn't really have any real ambition besides trying to achieve things out of pure boredom yeah um and i think that's incredibly realistic and i think the show did a great job of showing the gamut of what type of child these type of people could create all four siblings are very different and damaged and great show well written but like is it a 10 out of 10 no like if we're going on the sliding scale of like what's on television now then like i think it's far and away the best series that's currently on or was currently on um but like in a world where Sopranos is 10 out of 10 like cause like you can't even give Game of Thrones a 10 out of 10 because some of those seasons are just so fucking stupid yeah 
Um, that, that breaks my heart. So, like, I feel like I, like, have to give Succession, like, an, like an 8 out of 10, 8.5. Um, but, like, that's really strong for me with a TV series. There are very few series that I watch to completion. I'm willing... I'm willing to give it a 9 out of 10 because I know that you talk about it being, uh, you know, repetitious in its devices. Um, but watching through it, I never felt that. You know, if you want to look at it scholastically, yeah, I'm sure it is. But just like taking it in as a piece of entertainment. Uh, it never felt repetitious to me. I was never bored with it. Um, and I think the final season as a standalone is incredibly strong, but also as a finale for the series entirely, I think really nails it. Um, yeah. So I'm willing to give it a 9 out of 10 because to me, it never presented itself in a flawed way when I was watching it. I never was like, oh, that was, you know, a major sin. That was a flaw. It always, every episode came across great. Uh, and I think, yeah, I'll give it, I'll give yeah. it a time. I, I feel that. I, I definitely found a couple episodes of the final season to just be kind of filler. And it was just kind of like, here and season one there's a lot of that I feel like they spent a lot of time working on character development for characters that are ultimately incredibly one-dimensional and it wasn't really needed um, so in a show where there's only four seasons for like like if I was gonna restart succession tomorrow I would probably just kind of skip the first half of season one entirely the cold open of Logan Roy pissing on his own floor as yeah. the start of the pilot uh, Great. is incredible because we're just like who the fuck's this old man pissing on the floor and the baseball game was an incredible incredible scene to really show to give you the idea of who each of these characters are as yeah. a whole but then I feel like they spent like another four episodes just kind of trying to like reinforce those ideas that like weren't really necessary. Like that scene was brilliant and I felt like could have the show really could have just moved on from then. Like we really I've never seen a scene that tells us who every character in a show is better than that. Mm -hmm. Like really incredible pilot that shows all of these characters in their entirety in the course of an hour but then the rest of the season just kind of drags and while like i do feel it's probably necessary for a lot of the show like that's still half of a season of a four season show so that's like an eighth of the series and then season three had a handful of episodes that i found not bad but just kind of boring and season four had probably two episodes that i just found kind of pointless so at that point, we're talking about close to a quarter of the series, not necessarily being amazing to me. So I just can't hold it up on that level. And like, I know a lot of people say that Breaking Bad has a lot of episodes like that, and I just don't agree. I've watched the entirety of Breaking Bad 
probably four times, and I think season two has a big lull. I don't know. I like when you can just sit with a character now that we are in this, like, ten-episode season format for everything. Like, I don't know, back when you had 25-episode seasons of a show, you could just take an episode. You could just sit with someone and yeah. explore with them. It's a balancing act. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, the West Wing is, like, borderline intolerable to do a rewatch because there's 25-hour-long episodes per season, and there's, like, eight seasons. Ugh, um, I, this I, is I stopped watching Lost for that reason. There's just so much of it. And maybe I hit it a little too hard. But Lost like... has a lot of filler episodes. <laughs> also has an entire season that happened during the writer's strike, which is just, like, bananas. Yeah, I didn't get out of season one. Um, that, I mean, we, we did a whole series on Lost. It took me four attempts of starting Lost before I finally stuck with it. Season one of Lost is really tough until the home stretch for me. Um, but okay, maybe I'll pick it back up. They found the heroin plane, and uh, I got tired. <laughs> I, I would stick with it. I don't think there's any metric by which Succession is a better show than Lost. Um, you people in the rental zone just love to gas up Lost, so I, I will go back and try it. Yeah, that's because Lost is fucking amazing. Um, and I, literally, I was only watching it so that I could listen to the Lost Boys saga of your podcast. I recommend that. I, re I recommend doing things in, <laughs> in the interest of the podcast. Um, Lost is just like, it's not comparable really because it's such a large scope of a show but it also has game of thrones syndrome where they bit off so much that there was just like absolutely no way to tie it all together in a way that wasn't like no way to land that plane if you will yeah but they did and i think the finale is brilliant and a lot of people just don't actually get it like factually like it, even today like because it's like the 20th anniversary of the lost finale this year i think there's been so many articles about like the the finale of lost and people hating it but a lot of them wait that was 20 on. years ago yeah Pe but like the final no way yeah 20 years ago the final season i mean I've, we've said this a thousand times on the podcast but the final episode of lost like literally like stares you into the character in the camera and like explains the entire series to you and people still think that what it was saying was that they were dead the whole time <laughs> and like they like basically look into the camera and explain to you that that is not the case so people have all this ire towards lost while like it's not me being like, oh, this is like subjective art and like you don't understand the ending. Like, no, it's like you factually don't understand the ending because they spelled it out to you and you're getting upset about something that didn't happen because you weren't listening. Um, we don't need to talk about Lost anymore. Uh, Succession's awesome. Everyone who hates it, like, I kind of get why you wouldn't want to watch a show that's like this because everyone sucks in it, but like, also, people watch Always Sunny for the same reason. That's most great shows that people gas up now. Like, my dad 
talks about how he couldn't get into The Sopranos because he hates all the characters, but then has watched Breaking Bad like two or three times all the way through. And I'm like, it's the same thing. These are all scoundrels. Yeah. Um, there's zero redeeming characters in Breaking Bad, in my opinion. Besides Badger, Badger rules. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't... We're just going to retread the same water. But I think people need to go into succession recognizing that it's a comedy. And when you view it through that lens, there's no way to not see it as brilliant unless you just, like, don't have a sense of humor. Because, like, we're at a place in society where, like, there's... I don't know how you can exist on a day-to-day level with anything other than existential dread unless you just kind of laugh. And the show <laughs> is so nihilistic about everything that, like, it forces you to laugh. Because the implications of everything these people are doing are so significant, but it's so frivolous to them that it's just, like, heartbreaking. It's so heartbreakingly real, too. Yeah. Like, this is just what I expect the upper echelons of industry to be like of course and fun fact the first read through the cast ever did was on 2016 election night they were all sitting around expecting hillary to win while they were doing their first table read (laughs) and like in real time watched hillary lose (laughs) and like you can like just it feels like that feeling kind of reverberates throughout the entire show and I don't know that I need to make clear that, like, I'm not a Hillary Clinton simp or anything. <laughs> but, like, we can all agree that, like, 2016 sent the country in an incredibly bizarre direction that this series encapsulates perfectly. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. 8, 8.5 is probably unfair. I'm probably going to give it more of an 8.9. And it's, like, my usual thing where if people were not regularly saying it's like the best series ever i'd probably rate it higher but like i feel like i need to just like be a measured voice in the room like it's okay to just think something is great without it being the best ever. yeah that's what everybody always wants from you we need you to to cool us down we need your uh wet blanket embrace to keep us all grounded yeah people will like often say that like i'm like too harsh on something while i'm giving it like a nine out of ten and i think that's just fucking insane (laughs) alexander Um, skarsgård is a 10 out of 10 he played that character so well uh i love that actor uh shout out to eric northman in true blood the soul redeeming character in the final few seasons of that show uh right you brought up true blood yesterday when we were talking about prestige television and (laughs) true blood i think is a terrible show i talking about starting a show from the beginning i was 100 percent in on true blood before it was even announced there was all like that viral marketing uh you know vampire stuff going on um online you know and that was early you know that was early in yeah, that type I, of I stuff i want to say that was like oh three or oh four when yeah that was going on and i just felt i just feel the show kind of looks like shit um, i recently rewatched it until it gets shitty um 
and it's so much dumber than I remembered, um, but I loved it all the same. Uh, Anna Paquin is a terrible actress. Uh, the character of Suki is insufferable, um, and I adore that show. Yeah, you know what? That actually reminded me of... I don't know how this didn't come up earlier in terms of HBO prestige dramas, but, like, Six Feet Under... Um, did you watch Six Feet Under? I did not. There, I, there's a lot of great HBO from that era that I just haven't seen or seen all the way through. Uh, shout out to Carnival or whatever that Carnival. show was. Yeah. I didn't finish yeah. it, but that was Carnival really good. could have been in that world, but it got canceled before they had the chance to stick the landing. Um, Six Feet Under is another one that is very dull, but and also stars uh, Sarah Snook, but as a child. Um, and I'm doing a rewatch right now. A lot of it looks very dated, but I don't know that I can necessarily even say that Succession is better than Six Feet Under. Um, the Six Feet Under finale is far and away the greatest series finale ever by like a significant margin. It makes the end of Succession look like clown shoes. Um, I think they're probably... I don't know. I really don't know that I can rank Succession above Six Feet Under. I, I'll probably be able to answer that better when I finish this rewatch. Um, but, like, that's okay. Not everything needs to be a 10 out of 10. I think everyone just needs to kind of relax. Um, and I think a lot of people's hyperbole about this season is comes from a place of dread about the fact that there's nothing on to replace it that's, that's that good at the moment. Like... I don't know what people are really latching onto to the same degree. People loved yellow, loved yellow jackets, but apparently that's fallen off a cliff. Your Honor is really good, but like I don't really know how far they can take that show at this point. I haven't watched that one. Isn't that on something weird? Like it's on Showtime. Oh, okay. I'm like I'm not getting Showtime either. Um, it's also like similarly very repetitious, and I don't really think it's that like it's very good but it's very trope heavy and just kind of dumb like the characters act in ways that don't make sense to me so I don't see it as being that tier of television and now that HBO is not an isolated thing anymore I don't know how likely it is that we're gonna get another big show like this from them cause like all we really had was Euphoria, and Euphoria, I also feel, has fallen off a complete fucking cliff, um, and did so by the second season, and really, at the end of the day, it's just, like, Degrassi for adults, so I don't <laughs> quite get why people think it's as great as it is. It's just, like, we've seen all this before. People and... love sexy kids. Right. It's weird. It's, like... The movie Kids already exists, and a slew of Harmony Corinne movies exist, and Degrassi already exists, and Euphoria, while being an amazingly shot show, is just a teen soap opera. Like, it, it is factually a soap opera, so I don't really get people holding that in that 
realm, People but it's the same thing. It's just a good show. Sydney Sweeney's titties. And like I definitely relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> um so I don't know what happens next. I'm like very interested as to what HBO as an imprint of Warner Brothers is gonna do next. Because um, now I feel at this point they're just kind of trying to, it's like the constant cycle of trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. And you know all the heads that are scrambling to figure out what the next succession is going to be in the interest of like keeping HBO alive. I feel and good I, about where The Last of Us is going. Uh, I think I there's a big world to, to explore there. Um, Dan and I have definitely been in the minority opinion on Last of Us. Um, I don't know if you played The Last of Us, but I no, did. I'm like generally aware. I'm not much of a gamer. I, I I replayed it right before the series started, and I just think the show is fine. Like I don't really see a world where a zombie show is gonna be all that interesting to me anymore. Um, the most interesting episode was by far the Nick Offerman episode, which had no bearing on the story as a whole, and I don't think is going to end up impacting the series anyway, and the game is already a narrative masterpiece, and they kind of went out of their way to subvert it in the back half of the season, and like, crunched, like, the first half of the season of Last of Us is basically, like, chapter by chapter of the game and then the last three episodes cram like 12 hours of story into three episodes in a way that I don't get and I know their intention was to make it so that all of season one was all of the game but I think it lost a lot of the weight particularly the finale um, doesn't hold the same stakes that it does in the game that's fair I don't have that frame of reference to judge it on like I can only take it at what I know it to be. Yeah, and like in a in a vacuum, it's a good show, but like it's a similar that I I don't get why people are going ape shit over it because it's kind of just really fucking boring. Um, I love drinking gamer tears, so I'm so happy to see. Yeah. Gamers cry about this. Uh, I'm always happy to see that. The discourse for season two of Last of Us is going to be truly toxic, and that I'm severely looking forward to. Um, <laughs> like, it's going to be so fucking crazy, because the discourse over the game was beyond crazy. But I think people who haven't watched, played the games really need to temper their expectations for what season two is going to I'm wondering when they're gonna do that. I don't know how um, spoilery we want to get. If I had to guess, I'm going to guess they do it in the very first episode. Oh. And, and everything else relevant. I'm trying not to be spoilery, but I, I, I'm suspecting there's going to be a lot of flashbackery in season two. That makes sense. Um, because the game. I just think it's fine. It, it, like, it's again, it's just, it's good, but it's not great. And people, 
people are complaining that there's not enough zombies, but like we have 10,000 episodes of The Walking Dead and all of its spinoffs, so like I don't care about that. What What's interesting about The Last of Us is the people existing in this landscape. Yeah, that's the entire that's the entire point of it about yeah. how it's actually the people are actually the real monsters right but the most interesting facet of the show and the game are like the the communities that have managed to exist in uh this landscape and they really only spent one episode on that when it's like a very significant portion of the story and i don't really get that idea so i I am hoping they'll mine that world a little better yeah you're right it does come across as kind of rushed and i'm hoping that they'll you know explore deeper because there's a lot to go into there's a lot of meat on that boat so to speak yeah, it just kind of felt like a vehicle to like make Pedro Pascal a superstar, and that's fine. I'm wondering if his agent actor. was like, we're not doing the gas masks. We already have a show where nobody sees my fucking client because he's behind a goddamn mask. Right. We're not doing the gas masks. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine a world where after season two of The Last of Us, people are still talking about it as positively as they are now. Um, so I am really looking forward to what's going to be the next like big thing because for years I mean Succession started five years ago at this point and it really isn't until the last year that I really saw anyone give a fuck yeah like, I didn't when, even know it existed for when the rental zone years. started I was hyping Succession all the time and like the post would get like two three comments there were a handful of people who were in there but like it does feel like a show that kind of has a lot of manufactured hype um, which is fine because it's a great show, but like it's really swung in a bizarre direction where everything's gotten very hyperbolic about it. So I'm curious what's going to happen next because I don't, I don't see anything on TV right now that's really like gripping me to the same degree. I like um, Perry Mason a lot. I don't. Um, I know Josh Boyer loves Perry Mason. I just like can't really like sit through a series like a noir series, let alone one that's trying to like modernize and PCify something to that degree. <laughs> um, I just find that entire approach to a series to be very dull. Um, I love that I don't know what his name is, the, the guy that plays Perry Mason. Yeah. Uh, I'll watch what it, anything he's in. I don't know his name either. Um, I don't care about cops. Shout out to the Americans. Great um, show. The Americans, that show, like, story-wise is good, but looks like absolute trash. Well, wasn't it like a USA show or FX? Yeah, yeah, and it looks like it, and that really pulls me out of it because especially the first two seasons look like absolute garbage. Like, it looks like there's not a single set piece in that entire show. Like, everything is filmed in front of a green screen, even when they're just, like, talking in a kitchen. Um fine show i i just i don't know i don't know what happens next for tv like this whole hbo max thing is fucking weird um new episodes of clone high are hilarious shout out to clone high um shout out to all the guy fietti that i'm getting on hbo Max or on max now yeah there's a lot of good 
cooking shit going on. Like, that's what I'm finding myself watching most. There's a new Gordon Ramsay game show that is literally um, Shark Tank, but for chefs. Um, I don't care for that at all. Like, it's down to the degree where when he eliminates people, he goes, like, and for that reason, he's like, I'm not selecting you. Like, it's really bizarre. Um, I think TV is just kind of over until I see evidence to the contrary. Um, well, now you're, now you're being hyperbolic. It's, I feel like this is still the best age of it. But, no, like, no what way. we're getting, I think... Uh, is overwhelmed with choice um, but I still think there's a lot of great great shit going on there was a time period where The Sopranos The Wire Deadwood were all on at once and right before that Oz was on um, and Lost was on at the same time Whereas right now we're kind of in a place where like there's very little that's exceptional, um, and that's what, true. the things that stand out as exceptional tend to be like more like single season things, like Queens of Queens Gambit or like Haunting of Hill House, um, and I don't, I kind of just see those as like long movies broken up into episodes. And for every Queen's Gambit, there's 10,000 Netflix series that are just abhorrent. Um, it's true. And- also, man, we're talking about user interface. Netflix needs to tell me when a goddamn show is not in English. You can't get me hype. And then it's in German. Yeah. And that shit yeah. drives me bonkos. Netflix has decided that all I want to watch is and i don't know why or how this started but the amount of oh you like squid games here's more korean game shows but i didn't i watched two (laughs) episodes of squid games and all of a sudden it thinks i want to watch korean cooking shows and i don't um (laughs) i also really would like them to stop playing shit while i'm scrolling so i can just like read a description and now every other streaming service has started doing that and i can't take that at all um all right i we're going on we're going on a grape fest what is with the lack of trailers and accessible trailers on so many of these streaming platforms i know your goddamn movie had a trailer for it why can i not watch it from your app yeah particularly because for a while it was going in that direction there was like a time where everything had a trailer um i think a lot of it is probably just a function for like when it comes to like netflix original content i think they just don't feel like making one but like all sorts of older i mean older like all sorts of movies that are not netflix original or any you know any original prime has this problem Hulu has this problem. Even like Max has this problem. Like sometimes, Max is pretty good with it. Sometimes there's a trailer, but sometimes there's not. And I'm just like, I know that a trailer. This, this is a fucking movie. I know yeah. that a trailer exists. Don't make me go to YouTube and have to sit through another goddamn Google ad just to watch your goddamn trailer. Max is pretty good about just like 
starting the trailer by itself, like whereas Netflix will just start the movie <laughs> yeah. in the background, Max will at least start the trailer. Um, but yeah, no, that's a gripe. Um, I just don't, I don't know what's gonna happen because the content is being split so much that we're kind of just back to like late '90s world where it feels like there's like we got digital cable for the first time and there's 500 channels and everything is terrible on all of them so all i watch is hbo and now i have 10 streaming apps and all i watch is hbo um so i don't know what really happens next um i'm hoping that succession is gonna further the landscape where they're willing to put the money into making a show this good but like thus far it's not looking I don't actually know how any of these things make money. By mining your data and selling them. <laughs> okay, I guess that makes sense. Because, like, the overhead to make all of this content must be huge. And I'm like, really? You guys are doing this on a collective, right. what, $10, $15 a month? Well, speaking of gripes, Max has committed, like, what I find to be the absolute biggest sin that I've ever witnessed in the streaming age, which is already paid for the highest tier of HBO Max, and then when it transferred me over, it informed me that that is no longer the highest tier, and that now there's like super premiere membership, and six months from now, I'm gonna, like I'm grandfathered into my current pricing, but they're gonna get rid of 4K streaming and Dolby Atmos unless I give them another $5 a month. Um, yeah, that's unforgivable. It's absolutely insane. And, like, they're, they're like, we're going to have thousands of movies in 4K, but, like, you can't access them unless you pay $21 a month for a streaming service, which is just fucking crazy. Um, so, while I do like the new that's on Max for the most part. I can't really forgive them for that because, like, the only reason I really like them to begin with is that their sound quality is far and away ahead of every other streaming app. And six months from now, it's just gonna fall off a cliff. Yeah, um, I'm gonna get bored with all the food stuff on Max pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it's a weird and bleak time. I could see me canceling HBO for a little while until something real sick comes back. I mean, that's what I've been doing for about a year now. Basically, like, I, if there's a show I want to watch on Hulu, I watch it and then I immediately cancel it until there's another show I want to watch on Hulu. Um, and same with Netflix, honestly. Because um, otherwise, I'm paying the same amount that I would have been paying for cable. And I really feel like they're going in a direction where two years from now, I'm just going to have none of it. I'm going to go back to torrenting everything, which then is going to lead to the same cycle of quality going down because their revenue is going down. And I really think they're just like burying themselves in a way that I don't care for. Yeah, everybody thinks they can have their own proprietary streaming service. But like, that is kind of why I like what happened with Max because like I was never going to get Discovery exactly. Plus I'm never getting Discovery I'm not doing Peacock 
not doing whatever bullshit Paramount thing. Uh, speaking of terrible user interfaces, Paramount Plus uh, is really horrible. absolute dog shit. Yeah, really bad. I'm not getting Apple TV. I'm not getting Showtime. Uh, there's all sorts of ones also that I've learned from the hundred. Uh, this hundred hidden gems thing that Lions has been posting, but they all have a letterboxed thing, and you can see yeah, all services yeah. that it's on. There are dozens of streaming services that I had zero idea that yeah. even existed. Yeah, Tubi. Um, I also don't hoopla. Care for... what the fuck is a hoopla? I don't know. I also don't care for the fact that like when I do that search. Um, there's another website that does that where you search for a movie and it tells you where it streams. And then that kind of got ported over into all the new smart TV interfaces where I can just like search for a thing and it'll be like, oh, it's streaming here, 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 and here. But I don't care for the fact that every time I search for something, it's like, oh, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. And then I open it and it's like, that'll be $12 if you want to watch this. And I'm like, I yeah, like it doesn't tell me count. on the front end that like I could have rented it from Vudu to begin with. Um, it's just all very deceptive. And I feel like we're going in a direction where like, Warner is going to end up merging with Hulu next, and then, like, we're just going to basically have, like, like Netflix, it's going to be Netflix is either going to die or they're going to merge with something, and, and we're going to have two streaming services that cost $60 each, and then another $20 each if you want to watch them in 4K, and I just, like, I can't, I'm not here for it. I'm not doing that. It just, like, makes watching TV exhausting. Like, I don't, I'm scrolling for something through the night. I don't want to have to open seven different apps to scroll through my options. And it, like, makes me almost long for cable where I could just, like, watch the preview channel and see what's on. Um, so that's bleak. So uh, streaming services, I'm going to give a 0 out of 10 currently. I wish Disney Plus would just stop. I wish my TV would stop trying to force Disney Plus down my face. I wish they would stop making Star Wars content. Um, the I, the Disney Plus account that I was using, the guy must have stopped paying for it, so I don't have it anymore. I get it for free with my cell phone. I don't think I've opened it since I watched The Mandalorian, which is also a show that's not very good that people really simp for and I don't quite get it and I get that like in a world where Star Wars has become so horrible I do understand that this is better but it's still not good and the show kind of looks like trash they're trying to Marvel Cinematic Universe Star Wars now yeah they're trying to Marvel Cinematic Universe everything and um, I'm not here for it. Including Game of Thrones, which, like, you couldn't even stick the landing on the main series, so why do we have seven Game of Thrones shows in the pipeline when you could just finish your book? Look, it's not going to happen. Yeah. George R.R. Martin's kind of old. He's kind of fat. There's no way it has. Even House of Dragon was not nearly as good as people seem to have been simping it for. I saw a lot of people say that it's better in Game of Thrones. That's for sure not That's true. super not true. Um, the acting is worse and the show looks way worse. Um, 
just like zero practical effects in that entire show and it was really enjoyable but it was also just a soap opera and um cat watches a lot of these period pieces like and i don't that like people see as schlock television and i don't think house of dragon is necessarily all that better than any of them like it, it kind of is just like fucking bridgerton but like with people fucking their siblings instead um i don't care for that um that yeah. entire universe has done a lot to normalize incest in uh, television <laughs> and, and that's fine because that reflects all the porn that exists but also it is you true. just watch porn um, they're kind of so going yeah. for that I'm, I am looking forward to House of Dragon season 2 but like I just don't care all that much so there's nothing that I'm like super looking forward to and like that other show you mentioned uh that's exactly the same as succession what's it called the fucking industry yeah that's... they canceled it the son of a bitch that's fine because it was the same show with younger people it's the newsroom but it's in uh finance instead of yeah. you know media yeah i i just don't any of it i keep starting these new shows like hoping to find lightning in a bottle the way i did with succession because it was kind of just we threw it on and it ended up being great and i'm sure something's gonna come along but it seems so few and far between and in the meantime all the discourse is just about so many things that i think are just average at best do you watch carnival row i don't know what that is it's on prime it's uh i don't have prime anymore Oh, fair. I, I, I stopped paying for Amazon Prime because they stopped delivering things in one or even two days, so I didn't really know what I was paying for. They always fucking get me because I forget, and then it charges for a whole year, and I'm like, ah, fuck. And then I'm just like, okay, well, I guess I have it for another year. Um, and that's been going on since I graduated college. Yeah, that was the case for me as well, and it was extra egregious because I had it tied to my Amazon credit card, which isn't a physical credit card. It's all digital, so I never really check it, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it would just, the charge would appear, and they raised the price while consistently taking four days to deliver my shit, um, and I was just like, I got fed up with it, and it's just like, I was like, am I going to pay $150 for the ability to watch The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and the answer was no. So, I think that that's probably all I have to say about streaming services. The general synopsis is that I'm very frustrated by all of it. And I'm finding myself just re-watching shit that I already have seen in, while waiting for something new to come out. And now it's at a point where there's just such a wide breadth of content that like I don't even know what to check out until someone like the rental zone goes apeshit for something. And like, even then I have so much skepticism because people are simping for shit that's just like so aggressively average that like, I'm, I'm just hesitant to like put that work in. Um, I don't know that like Succession is one of those shows that like, cause you know, people will be like, like your dad is like, oh no, I can't watch The Sopranos. And it's like, no, you have to like, 
insist that that person watch The Sopranos. I've been pushing for it. Been like, pushing for it. Succession, if people are like gonna watch an entire season and be like, I don't like it, that's fine. I don't think like your life is worse for having not watched Succession. You could also just like watch the news. Um, but I certainly enjoyed it a lot. Um, and I think that's probably all I have to say about it. Um, my whole goal with this was to like not make it be an episode of the movie Blues and kind of just became that. But that's fine. Um, I have all sorts of ideas for shit that I'm going to do here that may or may not come to fruition because I'm notorious at starting projects and then promptly abandoning them. Um, yeah, but now you have a whole Facebook group of poorly adjusted individuals to support you or give you shit about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that they're going to like a lot of the opinions that I really have. <laughs> Uh, but that's fine. Um, I got a lot of pushback on the internet for some of the things I said in the Around of Fire episode about various jam bands. Um, that, that's fine. That was the peak of your podcast. I don't know if you guys can ever create content that speaks more to my soul than those episodes, especially that first one. Yeah, it was incredibly pandering in a way that we've avoided, but now, after the response to that, we're kind of trying to figure out how to tread that line, and I, we've discussed the idea of doing, like, an all-jam band-related um, movie season with, like, Electric Apricot and, like, Bittersweet yeah. Hotel and, like, The Last Waltz and things of that nature, but I just don't necessarily see how it's going to become anything other than me just, like, making it's going to be huge on my drug band is better than your drug band. Right. This could be like not really the quality of person that I want to be interacting with more than I already do. You could be the next Andy Frasco. Um, I mean, I would be down with that in terms of ad revenue, <laughs> but, but like not in terms of like sobriety. That's fair. I had no idea that you were such a degenerate wook when you were younger. Yeah, that's like... That was harrowing. That's, it's like... <laughs> it, it's way worse than it gets into in that episode. <laughs> um, Dan has been trying to push for like an After Dark episode where like I tell like the worst stories and like we, we tell each other's worst, worst stories and like that episode I come off as a degenerate look like I was way more of a degenerate look than that even comes off and I've put a great deal of effort into distancing myself from that um but yeah no there was a time in my life where like I don't think I owned anything that was not a Grateful Dead t-shirt um where's the steely tattoo it's on my shoulder got it when I was 17 Terrible. Um, I also have an Aesop Rock tattoo that didn't come up. Um, That's bonkos. You're probably one of like three people in the entire world that has an Aesop Rock yeah. tattoo. I, I also have a Radiohead tattoo. That's that's terrible. That's um, unforgivable. I was for sure a wolf, but I 
as someone who has like a real job, I try to not like necessarily make all of that public <laughs> uh, because some of the stories are like truly harrowing. I'm, 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 I'm sure it will come out eventually. Um, but shout yeah, out to uh, Further Lot. Yeah, um, we I talked to Dan about that about after the around the fire episode that I realized that we didn't even talk about Further when like. I saw Further more than, like, any band on that list for the most part. I spent quite a deal of time in Further a lot and traveled a lot to see Further. Um, I could talk about Further forever, but we're already at two hours and people hate when the episodes are that long. That's so true. I assume be there'll be one. plenty to cut out. Yeah, you have to go do a birthday party. I do. And I need to clean up the house because my partner is coming back after a weekend gone and the house is in a complete state of disrepair don't forget to put in your treehouse order yeah that's what i'm about to go do um so i'm gonna say this was a successful first episode yeah after you got everything worked out i like yeah. it thank you for having me on yeah, uh you can find darlington that's d-a-r-l-i-n-g-t-y-n darlington.com at darlington on instagram uh, it's a T-Y-N because we were a T-O-N, uh, but there is a sex offender pop punk artist out of Texas um, that sent us a typo-filled seats and assist uh, email, and that's how we discovered who he was. Um, but we don't want to be associated with the pop punk sex offender that wrote his own Wikipedia page and uh, included that. Uh, statutory rape charge in his own Wikipedia. So. Pretty unbelievable, yet shockingly believable. <laughs> um, musicians are the worst. The worst. Um, um, yeah, go check out Jack playing guitar fucking everywhere, it seems. Um, check him out in the rental zone. Being allowed to talk about Israel. Nope. Um, maybe we'll do another episode where we talk about Israel because um, that's what the people want. Um, <laughs> I was like trying to push for us on the podcast to do the documentary, like the, the view from a grain of sand, which is a documentary about like Palestinian oh God. settlements. And <laughs> 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 like, absolutely not. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think we can wrap it up. We'll see what this becomes. Um, we're coming back with the movie blues. I think we just determined that like the next season's gonna probably debut around the middle of July. Um, can't wait so, for Electric Apricot. Uh, I'm gonna rewatch yeah, that. I can't wait for that either. Um, pretty much every other movie on the list. I'm We already know what the next season, next two seasons after that are going to be, but I don't think Dan wants me to necessarily reveal them, but I think we're really finding our stride with theme seasons, and I think our next few ideas are, like, pretty fucking hilarious. Um, we're also toying with the idea of just, like, intermittently doing, like, jam bandages and things as, like, side pieces to break up sequel season, because, like, how many people have seen one or man two? The people, the people will love it. Uh, yeah. Pandering for sure, and then the my drug band is better than your drug band crowd. 
can get into this podcast. Uh, they will then get into uh, rest your history. yeah. Uh, well, I was gonna say get into your <laughs> band, but yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, music in the background of this episode is going to be all music from Jack and myself. So shout out to us for being creative geniuses. Woo. Um, and that's it. That that was uh, first episode of filling up our podcast feed with content while we're on a season break so that all the people who were only listening to us for Around the Fire don't unsubscribe. Um, thank you, Jack, for spending your Sunday morning talking about a show that has already been spoken about into the ground. Um, I'm sure people are going to be extremely excited to hear two hours of me saying the show is fine. Um, that's basically what the whole podcast has been. So that's cool. Shout out to Dan Lyons for not talking over me for this whole episode, even though he's not here. It was still a distinct possibility. Um, and yeah, anything else? Any final thoughts? No, can I do the can I do the, the final word? You want to do the baby thing? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Baby. Hey.